exciting episode of The Spicy Life. I am your host, Spicy Mari, and joined with me as always is my beautiful and lovely Dr. Ali. Hey, what's up? Today we're going to have a phenomenal episode about the seven reasons gratitude can change your life. Uh, this is inspired from Dr. Ali feeling like we need to be operating in a place of gratitude. Yeah, it's such like a, a hippy dippy, I know. Airy, I was like, very well, topic. Gratitude. I guess we should be grateful this time of year. I know, right? Because there's just, and there's so much, like, you know, we're about to go through all of our spicy dishes, and there are just so many horrible things happening in the world. Things can get really heavy. And so I was like, you know, what's something that counteracts heaviness and negativity? Gratitude. So why don't we talk about that a little bit today? I know. I had attitude. I was like, wait, but is that juicy? Is that spicy? Actually, it is. It and can be. When you suggested we talk about that, I was like, okay, you know what? It is the holidays. People are feeling a certain type of way, you know, when they're doing this comparison about what they're getting versus what someone else may be getting or what, you know, they don't or do not have. And, you know, we need to always make sure that we operate from a place of gratitude to make us be in this more thankful place and not take advantage in life. And so uh, we always start the topic with the spicy dish whenever we, you know, start our show. And so today on the spicy dish, uh, Offset apologizes to Cardi B at Rolling Loud. Yeah. So this is something that I don't think a lot of us were very grateful for. (laughs) (laughs) I was grateful because we've done a past uh, episode on toxic relationships. And this is some toxicity if I ever did see one. I mean, and it seems like, because, you know, I I don't always follow the things that Cardi B does. But it seems to me like she handled it in in the... in a way that I feel like I would have handled it. Correct. Which is like, she wasn't like, oh my God, thank you so much. You love me, blah, blah, blah. It was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you coming here? Don't do this. You know, like, let's keep this private. You might be, you know, maybe not the best guy for me because of all the things that have happened in the past, but that doesn't mean you can't be a great father for our kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you can love her and we can co-parent, but you know, and then I like that she kind of spoke out too on Instagram about or on whatever social media platform about how basically people need to stop coming for offset. Yep. If they have their own issues, let them have their issues. But I think, I don't know, what, I don't, do you think he was right? So the reason her? why I, so I understand it's her place of business, that's her money, but I also think that it's a great social push. It keeps them current, relevant. I feel like every, oh. I feel like everything that makes headlines is beneficial to your career, especially when it's a man confessing his undying love. So it's marketing. And well, yeah, I feel like it's marketing. I'm not, I don't think that he, I think that a part of it was a publicity stunt, but then mm-hmm. I think the other part is he really is sorry, and he knows because they're on this public platform that this is how he can really get her attention. And other people, you know, when I was reading comments on social, were saying things like, is he crazy? You know, if a man ever comes up to my job, and at the end of the day, it is actually extremely flattering. We can't even get a phone call when we break up and we <laughs> want them back. So the fact that this man showed up on stage with, you know, thousands of roses allegedly you know sneaking on there i felt like that was a grandiose gesture the relationship is always in the public eye so then yes to um offset's point because i'm team you know offset apologizing <laughs> team offset apology yes, I'm team, I'm team for offset the first time ever i am team cardi b <laughs> no see i love cardi <laughs> but i'm team offset apologizing because he tweeted after that like our relationship is always um public yeah. so and what i've done that's you know shady in these streets is public she deserves a public apology mm-hmm. and so that was the part that i was like oh well okay i do agree with that like let us you know let us see that then so we don't you know hate you so much mm-hmm. um and you doing her shady like let us see you confessing your sins yeah and so i did appreciate that whether it was a publicity stunt or not whether cardi takes him back or not 
you know, she does deserve an apology. Um, it could have been done in the privacy of their own home, but then I wouldn't have been able to see it. So, yeah. <laughs> or it could have been done in another way. Cause I feel, I, I kind of feel it's this, uh, there's this concept called flow mm -hmm. where, um, the more you engage in flow, the less likely you are to be depressed and to have all these other numbers of symptoms. So flow is referred to as the optimal experience. So when you're doing something that you're super interested in, you're singing, you're performing, you're writing, you're doing something that you really love, you're painting, and you kind of lose track of time because you're just so into it, mm -hmm. that's flow. And women actually engage in flow less, and a part of the reason is because we're constantly interrupted by men. Mm. So we'll be in school, and it starts when we're like, you know, hitting puberty. So you're in school, and you're doing your math homework, or you're doing your math assignment, and this guy comes up to you and is like, you know, pulling your hair, poking you, or doing whatever you're not engaging in flow because now you've been distracted. So uh -huh. you have to get back into it, back into the flow of flow. And so my main issue is that what happened with Cardi was she was living her best life. She was at work. She was doing things that she had to do to be this dynamic, you know, amazing woman so she can take care of her kid. Because ultimately, Offset doesn't have to do anything if he doesn't want to for that kid. If he wants to disappear, he could. But she's the one who's going to be raising this baby and she has to make her money. And so he kind of comes up thinking like his apology is more important than her life. Than her than performance. Her, her performance, her making money, her doing these things. And so that's the only area that I kind of feel like I think that men do sometimes have this feeling that, well, I want her. Yeah, like mm -hmm. I'm entitled. Well, I want her back. So she should be so flattered that it doesn't matter what she's doing. She should stop it so that I can apologize because my apology is important. But it's, I think that there, to an extent, it's like um, you, they, they, I don't think it's always their fault because I think they've been fed this this idea for generations that their feelings are more important than everybody else's. Because you know we watch all these movies, you know where guys come. But into, I think we feed we, into that. We I think I think we do too. I think we feed into that. And right now she may be at a point in her career where she is putting herself and her child first, mm -hmm. but it does take or it does happen where these small interruptions become huge distractions mm -hmm. and i think for a long time she probably was allowing offset to distract her and just us as women in general it, it, it becomes almost an obsession when we're going through a breakup mm -hmm. or we're going through a situation where we're fighting with someone and we don't get the apology that we want and so now we're feeling some resentment we're feeling you know animosity and we get to this place where even though we should be in our flow we're still obsessing about yeah. the fact that we didn't get the closure that we needed he's taking us out of our flow and he's not even there and he's not even there yeah and i think that whether we know what was in her head or not during her performance like no it's not appropriate to ever mess with anybody's money yeah. um but i don't think it affected her money because they clearly let him well, on stage security dramatic. was there <laughs> yeah but you know but i still feel like at, at a certain level like I, I even had a relationship back in like college it didn't turn out obviously i didn't marry him it didn't turn out the way i wanted it was a really really bad breakup and i was obsessed i was upset for maybe i mean maybe years like very it was this, this breakup was really really hard for me and I remember I would just be crying and I'd be so upset. I'm like, he never apologized. Mm -hmm. He, you know, why wouldn't he do this? And then I just remember one moment I was like crying in the mirror because we're weird and all of us do that. <laughs> <laughs> see, mine's in the shower with no, the raindrops I, falling on my head. Yeah. <laughs> you know that moment where you want to see yourself cry? Like, ah, I <laughs> You want the mascara all messed I, up. I want the mascara like, coming down my exhale. face. And I want my hair all messed up. And, um, but I, and I realized he, in a way he almost doesn't owe me an apology. And if I never, ever, ever get it, am I going to allow him to continually kind of be a part of my life without even being your there? happiness? Right. And mm -hmm. so he's in control. And I just had him and I was just like, oh, I don't need an apology. I don't need him to say sorry. I don't need him to come back. I don't need him to ever pick up his phone ever again. I don't need him to text me. I could see him in public and he, he looks at me crazy and walks away. That's fine because ultimately I have to be OK with what happened. 
I have to make sense of what happened. It has to be, it has to make sense to me, not anybody else, you know, cause I can't let him be in control. And so I think that was a moment that I had to come to grips with. And literally it was like a switch. I was just like, oh, I don't have to wait for him. You know, it's like, I get to just decide yeah. how I want to feel, you know? And so I will say I'm really proud of Cardi cause I kind of feel like she's in that place where she's yeah. like, no, I made my decision. Where she's like, I'm good. I'm good. But <laughs> you really know, I need y'all to know this too. <laughs> At the end of the day, they will be back together Probably. because this is what happens in toxic relationships. Yeah. And I don't think that like, what he should have done was gone, if he was going to interrupt the show and go on stage, get down on one knee again and say, Cardi, I would love for you to join me at, you know, marriage and family therapy tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> like that would have been, oh. but instead, you know, we don't know what her love language is. You know, she might, it may be gifts, you know, it may be acts of service and quality time. And he might've checked off all those things at the same time when he hopped up on that stage. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so I do appreciate, I appreciate, and I'm coming from a place of gratitude. Thank you. Offset for that grand gesture. You know, I, I love that mushy gushy, um, embarrass me in front of everybody and confess your undying love stuff, whether Cardi appreciated it or not. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll remember that spicy. Um, to your point about what she brought up on Instagram, Pete Davidson. Yeah. I thought that was really big that she addressed the please don't, you know, bash um, my, she says baby father, but that's really her husband. <laughs> I love that she It is said. legitimately her husband <laughs> and the father, of, yes, yeah, of, the her father child, of her child. But she but doesn't call him her husband. He is, he is also her husband. <laughs> God bless Cody. But she addressed the fact that, you know, he had, you know, made this, you know, threat uh, to commit suicide or that he doesn't want to live anymore and she doesn't want that to happen to Offset. She she knows how cruel people can be and how yeah. cruel fans can be. And so I appreciate her, you know, the her having our attention, being on this platform and addressing something that you know, we may not have heard about. We may yeah. have not even known what was going on with Pete Davidson. And, you know, this is an actor from SNL mm -hmm. who uh, I guess has been being harassed and he's going through some depression. And he deleted his account right after he told people that, you know, he doesn't want to live anymore. Yeah, he specifically said, I really don't want to be on this earth anymore. I'm doing my best to stay here for you, but I actually don't know how much longer I can last. I've, um, all I've ever tried to do was help people. Just remember, I told you so, heart emoji. That was a threat. That's Almost. like legit, like, yeah. that's a legit threat. Um, and I I don't know why, but I, I saw Pete perform at Laugh Factory in LA, mm -hmm. um, like a few, was it Laugh Factory? I think so, like a few years ago, right before he did SNL, like literally it was like six months before he showed up on SNL. And he, and, and I, so I feel like, you know, you're in the room, it's a small room, you feel kind of like a little closer to yeah, somebody. Yeah, you feel you know? connected, you know him. Um, I know him, we're, you know, me and Pete, we go, we go way, way back. back to the <laughs> But like, so I don't know, for some reason, whenever I hear about anything going on with him, I'm just particularly um, saddened by it. And also he has talked publicly about a diagnosis called borderline personality disorder. Mm. And he says that that's what he's been diagnosed with. Um, I, I feel like I've heard him say borderline um, bipolar as well, but I think what I normally hear is him saying mm -hmm. um, borderline personality disorder, which can be really difficult disorder to deal with and manage particularly if you have a lot of people around you in society telling you how horrible you are. Yeah. You know, because one of the main features of that disorder, and I'm not sure, obviously I've never actually treated Pete, and if I had, I could tell you even less about it, but one of the main features of that disorder that you guys can look up online at any point in time is emotional dysregulation. Mm. And so emotional dysregulation is this difficulty regulating the way that you feel and your emotion state, and a lot of times it's impacted by what we call regulating to the external, so something in your environment uh, maybe someone says something disparaging about you, the way you look, the way you've acted, something you've done, and it kind of 
causes you to not really be able to control your sense of kind of like your emotion where you are right now. And so being having that dysregulation, if that's what he has, I could imagine that being very difficult and going through that with all of the things that are happening. Like I tend to not get a ton of negativity on my IG for some reason. I'm not sure why I'm not asking you guys to do that for me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but um, I tend to, I, I don't tend to really encounter it, but whenever you do see a little like something, like someone like will say something comment. horrible, mm -hmm. um, I get it more so on Twitter. I feel like people are a little bit more ruthless when you make a comment on Twitter. Um, it doesn't feel good, but I'm a person who's pretty regulated and so it doesn't impact me for very yeah, long. You don't internalize it too long. But I couldn't imagine somebody who does and then someone who's actually in the public eye. Like, I don't have as many people paying attention to anything that I'm saying. I right. couldn't imagine. And so I think that that's really heavy. And I think that it is important for us as a society to like genuinely just care about people. I almost cussed, but I'm trying to be appropriate today. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I agree. And I totally, you know, I, my heart goes out to him. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's dealing with, you know, some some extreme, you know, mental health and emotional challenges right now. But this is when we once again, when someone's going through this, we should be uplifting them yeah. and not putting negative energy out there, negative yeah. comments out there. And so, you know, to, you know, Cardi's, you know, point and why she spoke up is like, it's a slippery slope. You don't know what is going to push someone over to the edge. She doesn't want that for her That's husband. It. She doesn't want that for Pete. And, you know, we shouldn't want that for them either. Why do people want to cause so much drama? Like, I don't understand why people want to go to celebrities and tell them all these horrible things. It's just, to me, so unnecessary. Like, and I think, you know, Ariana's getting a lot of it. I mean, Yeah, no, she's getting she's, bad, too. She has legitimately lost a boyfriend. Her ex, you know, just passed away. And then she just broke off an engagement. I mean, these types of things are stressful in and of themselves, let alone having a major career that you're, you know, like that a lot of people rely on her, mm -hmm. you know, managers, teams, dancers, singers, musicians. She has a whole lot of people whose bank account depends upon her. She just had a major trauma a few uh, a year or so ago at her concert with the, with the, the bombing. Oh, that's right. A boyfriend dies. She breaks up an engagement. I mean, Ariana legitimately is probably in her own level of turmoil. And I think that some of her fans might think they're defending her by talking trash about her man, but you're almost kind of offending her too by saying something choice. horrible about someone that she chose. Yeah, someone Just, she loved. You know, and it's like, so I don't know what's going on. I don't know, maybe people think that they're defending her, but it's like, at the same time, you're hurting her too. And she's already been hurt a few well, different times. People feel like if you put yourself in this public eye, if you decide that you're gonna be a celebrity or you make it as a celebrity, cause we, if we all, let's face it, if we all could decide to be a celebrity, we most, would be one tomorrow. <laughs> most people probably would, yeah. So they feel like, okay, you, since you are a celebrity, you chose this life and this is what you signed up for. And so we are allowed to say whatever we want about you because you chose this lifestyle. And at the end of the day, I don't believe that to be true. How about you just not be nasty? And if you are a fan, be a fan. And if you're not, fall back and <laughs> worship the people who you actually exactly. do care about. Why do we have to be these evil, ugly people just because somebody put themselves on a public platform? Exactly. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If you're not a fan, just be a fan of somebody else. Well, okay. And ignore that person. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, to, to honor, to, to, to bring something positive, um, uh, Allie and I are always, you know, once again, talking about babies. Do we have these babies? Do we not have these babies? Um, apparently, we're way behind because uh, Gray Mellon and his husband, Jeff Richardson, are bringing in newborn twins. Uh, this Christmas came early for them. And if you don't know who they are, this is like a super famous photographer. He, uh, he's always like beloved and worshiped by Meghan Markle and Reese Witherspoon. And I've even gone to 
not even knowing who he was at first, stumbled upon his page and website to steal photos for Instagram. Yeah, I'm not realizing how expensive or like his stuff yeah. is really like real photos. He is one of my favorite photographers. Really? His, his, <laughs> I just got up on him. Because everything he does is like candy color. It's adorable. And oh, sweet yes. I've seen so much stuff that looks like it would be on your beach. page. Yes, a lot of stuff like. I'm, I have to control myself because I don't want to repost too much, you know? So I actually am like, okay, Allison, have some control. Well, but, him and his husband are bringing mm -hmm. home twin babies. Allie, what are we doing in this universe where these fools are happily in love and they know that they need to start a family? And meanwhile, you and I are over here cold kicking it, worrying about the cookies we're going to bake tomorrow. That's it. Like, that's it. That's it. But, you know, kids, it's like I think about kids, but, you know, it's like you have to really, really want them. And I think that they also went a great route. They had they a did. surrogate. And I, I'm not sure what DNA, what, what sperm they used. Mm -hmm. If it was his, if it was his partner's. I know, how both. do you decide whose sperm is better? No, your sperm is better. Because they had twins, so I'm like, <laughs> I would probably be like, let's just put one sperm in each. Can we do that? Like, Wait, like, in each egg? Yeah. Because like, they have to, could you, you have, like, can you do that? You know what I'm saying? Like modern science. We need someone to call us up and let us know if we can like <laughs> have a surrogate, have twins with her egg and or maybe two of her eggs and well we have a twin expert uh my cousin steven in the building steven <laughs> twins can be are, male and female just like you and your sister can be two different eggs like that are fertilized how does that work yeah okay so fraternal so you can have two different sperms in the eggs and two different Feasibly, eggs right? oh okay so my steven my cousin steven um he's the producer of our show he just confirmed because he is a twin he's a twin so he's a twin boy expert. girl yeah so he's a twin expert <laughs> who better than someone who has lived a twin, the twin life a twin spurt yeah <laughs> just said that you can so maybe that's what they did then. I think that that i think that would be the funnest thing for me if you know to to do that so you have one kid that's you and one kid that's your partner you know whatever but i don't know what they did so do not so we're just speculating now but I think that it's so beautiful, and they worked with this surrogate, and I think it took them about a year. Yeah, for and her to really to 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 get pregnant. Oh, to get pregnant. Yeah, because well, they did a number of things. I think to kind of like prep mm -hmm. for the pregnancy, they had to find the right eggs, and they had to get everything in order. But and I thought it was cute. They did the two embryos the same day, like they implanted the two embryos the same day that the both of them had met. Yeah. So there's like all this symbolicness going on. I did the same thing. I mean, not my embryos, but I made our, <laughs> I encouraged my husband to propose to me the same day as my dad's birthday. And then we got married on the same, um, like date of the engagement. So it was like okay. everything on the 14th. Like my okay. lucky number is the 14th. Spicy tip. It helps you remember. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's birthday, our engagement. I will tell you, I definitely do not remember the first day I met my husband. Oh, really? I'm, I'm, I'm the, I have the worst memory in the world. I wouldn't remember anything. I'm ever. pretty bad as well. Yeah, that's yeah. why I was you very strategic it, with it. Keep it on the same day. I like that. 14. And last but not least, when it comes to the spicy dish, um, Miss Philippine. Miss what Philippines. What do I say? Miss Philippines? Miss Filipino? Miss Philippines. Miss Philippines. Miss Philippines. Okay. Universe. She, she Universe. won Miss Universe. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I get ambivalent about these these uh, contests too. I love them, but you're but like same time. I'm female. Hear me roar. Yeah, Ms. but feminist. then I guess if I'm a true like, because I don't refer to myself as a feminist, I refer to myself more so as a womanist. Oh yeah, womanist. But um, but I'm like this. You should be allowed to do whatever you want. If you want to participate in a festival of, of femininity and and you know have judges look at you and say you're gorgeous, here you go. Then I guess you should be able to do so, right? But I definitely do have some feelings on the inside, like, okay, are we doing the right thing? Are we, Wait, okay. Are we doing the right thing? Pageants have been around forever. Yes. What happens in pageants is, you know, women being, you know, judged on specific criteria, mm -hmm. um, being, you know, primped and pampered, catered, you know, 
their entire upbringing to prepare them, you know, even trained for these pageants. Yes. You're saying that this goes against what? That these women are participating in these pageants because I feel like we do the same thing when we yeah. go to the club. We're being prepped, yeah, pampered, we're doing our hair makeup so that we can be chosen as the main contestants to leave the club and, to get locked up. And that's why I can't be too mad at them because I feel like there are a lot of women that do this every single day and that ultimately we should be able to make our own decisions because I think that's what the whole movement's about is the flexibility and that, you know, and, and obviously we have every movie from the beginning to the end. I mean, we even have, what's that new show? Dumpling or movie Dumpling? Oh yeah, on, Dumpling. I want to see that. I haven't seen it yet. But you know, the, like expanding the narrative of what's beautiful, expanding things like that. And so it's kind of like, well, how do you expand the beauty narrative in a, in a competition that, like you said, has existed for, you know, hundreds of years with the exact same concept? Like we even had, I think, the first ever transgendered woman in Miss Universe. Oh, wow. From Spain. Oh, I didn't even know year. that. Yeah. I bet and she so, was bomb. I know. She was gorgeous. Like, oh, my she God. Is gorgeous. You just Look pulled her photo up. I just pulled her up. She's like, literally stunning. Now, she's bad. She's like I w- straight I couldn't even bad. compete with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, so I think that, you know, even like I'm super womanist. I'll say again. But I think that we need to really allow people more flexibility. Like kind of like what we were saying before, if you don't like something, to an extent, maybe you should just be doing something else because clearly people like it. People are being empowered. Some of these women are feeling very empowered. I mean, they wouldn't do it to an extent if they didn't feel you know, empowered or strengthened by it to some extent. So I feel like, go for it. Look at this woman. No, and these- Look at her, look at her. These are talented. I mean, there's no difference between choosing this or choosing to be a model or choosing to be an actress. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is, you know, you. There are talents that have to come with this. Yeah. And yes, I don't. I don't know if the controversy comes over as glorifying beauty or society's definition of beauty. But either way, their beauty is undeniable. And yeah. so, if this is how they chose to, you know, create their careers or you know the the pedestal that they want to put themselves on, yeah. I'm I'm here yeah, for it. We it. all have our own choices. Yeah. And if you decide that you would rather be, you know, a truck driver or you'd rather be, um, you know, a sales executive, whatever career path you want to go down, go for it. whether you're beautiful or not, it's still your choice to be made. These women just want to, they choose to print themselves and get a trophy for it. At least they're getting trophies. I'm not getting no trophies. I don't get no trophies. <laughs> I don't get no trophies. But, and I actually, I did my dissertation on beauty and cosmetic surgery, uh, specifically among minority women. And one of the, uh, the a major researcher in that area, her, her name is Nancy Wolf, and she basically says that beauty is currency for women. It oh absolutely, money in the bank. absolutely. And I think that we need to also acknowledge that. And I think that that sometimes that's a hard conversation to have. But I think that to an extent, the world exists. And so yes, we have an idea of what the ideal world would be, one where you're not judged based on the way that you look, and you can you know be yourself and live in your own body and be proud of that and, and I encourage everyone to do that. But then we also have to live with the duality of the fact that the reality of the world is that sometimes people do judge people based on the way they look. Absolutely. And I know that we think that, well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is socially constructed and, you know, we're all, you know, um, coming to the same, you know, terms based on what society has, you know, created this standard of beauty is. But actual legitimate studies have been done that at birth they have put an unattractive person in the room with the child. And then they have brought an attractive person in the room with the child. The, the newborn baby was actually more friendly to the attractive person, had more smiles, more elements of um, lowered uh, blood pressure with the attractive person than with the unattractive person. Your blood pressure yeah. is changing based on the way that these yeah. person looks and interacts with you. It's it's this it's all we, we there's something in us that knows what we like as soon as we're born yeah there's something <laughs> evolutionary about it. there's like five measures of beauty and one is bilateral symmetry which is what babies see 
So basically that the right side of you and the left side of you are the same, as similar as possible. Like my dad always talks about that when he sees a beautiful woman, like he's always like, she's so symmetrical. And like, I don't know. I think that's why that. I'm not photogenic because I don't think my face what is symmetrical. What are you talking about? It's not. I don't. First of all, no one's face. One of my eyes is bigger no than the other. No one's face others. is perfectly symmetrical. One of my eyebrows is higher. I'm no like- one's face is perfectly <laughs> symmetrical, but you have two eyes. Right? Yes, I did get blessed with two size. eyeballs. <laughs> and you have two cheekbones that are reasonably the same size. And so that type of thing, you know, then there's like waist-tip ratio. Men have a waist-tip ratio of one-to-one where they're more square, their waist and their hips are closer in measurement, whereas women have a smaller waist-tip ratio. Your waist is smaller and your hips are larger. Um, it's one way we can differentiate, like back in caveman days, when you see someone from the back, everybody has long hair. Everyone's walking around in the oh, same Oh, but outfit. you look at their torso. So you look at their waist to see if the waist goes in, you're most likely a woman whatever boom boom so so there's a number of things that kind of like indicate pathogen resistance for example that's like healthy skin looking like you don't have a disease because in other societies where like america it's not as important but in other cultures when you have a, um, high rates of diseases uh, malaria genetic diseases it's really important to identify and find someone who doesn't have that mm-hmm. so that your kids are more likely to be safe and healthy um, and so there's a number of things that are kind of bred into us to to, to look for. And so I'm assuming that that's what babies kind of identify. Oh, I, well, to the um, healthy, like genetic makeup, I definitely made my husband go through his family tree with me oh, and that. tell me what diseases God, that to his spices. knowledge yeah. run in his family. And I was like, look, cause my family is, let me tell you, squeaky clean. Really? But not ever, like nobody like wears glasses until they're like, 70 or 80 nobody we don't have diabetes we don't have like we we don't it's onset when maybe like older you wouldn't have married me but like (laughs) and disease is like like these things are genetic so i'm like i just want to know like kind of what you're bringing to my family what i need to worry about with my kids like i make fun of him because i have 2020 so i'm like dang our kids gonna wear glasses like does he have contact yes i think about all these things oh see it's like with aaron he has like 2015 vision like his vision is better than perfect. I wear contacts and I still can't see anything. Like it is so my vision is so poor. So yeah, I mean our kids can play together because they won't see each other. You got like, yeah. <laughs> no, they'll all be blind. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> my kids are going to be healthy. Oh, <laughs> and speaking of health, okay. So I mentioned earlier that today's um, episode is on you know gratitude and all of the things in the spicy dish are all things that we can find something that you know we can be grateful for from um, you know. Offset apologizing to Cardi, you know, confessing his undying love. You know, studies actually show that the more appreciation you show for your partner, the healthier relationship will be. Um, Pete Davidson's incident, like, you know, when you fall into this place, um, it might not be as serious as depression, but sometimes we get sad. If you operate from a place of gratitude, you may be, you know, reminded of the things that you do have and the people who do care for you and love you. Um, You know, the situation with, you know, Gray Marlin and his husband, Jeff, if, um, you know, they operate from a place of gratitude, you know, it took them a year to have those kids, but gosh, darn it, they operated from a place of gratitude. They got those kids. Mm. And so, you know, and I'm a huge person on that energy that you put into the universe. And then Miss Philippines, you know, I hear pageant um, queens telling, you know, you know, saying all the time that, you know, they operate from a place of gratitude. They said, thank you for the award before they even received it. Mm. They had to, you know, envision themselves, you know, walking. And I think that was Vanessa Williams that said that. She envisioned herself, you know, walking down that aisle millions of times accepting her award before she won, you know, Miss America. And so it's this operating from this place of gratitude and what it brings to you. Mm. And, you know, it really is, you know, showing, you know, thanks or giving thanks. And I'm a huge proponent of give thanks even for what you don't have and for what's coming. Uh, and okay. I, I got this uh, originally from um, one of my favorite authors, Napoleon Hill, RIP, um, in, um, 
what's it called? Um, Think and Grow Rich, sorry. So in Think and Grow Rich, he's a huge advocate for like manifesting your destiny and it's all it's in all the books now but he wrote his like 100 years ago but um <laughs> but now it's like in the secret because we got to talk like- about this this stuff has existed for two hundred thousand years <laughs> and all of a sudden we're just like kind of getting hip to it's it it's in the b-i-b-l-e it's like been around literally <laughs> since the beginning of time we've understood the relationship between the things that we say and the way that they impact us yeah right so uh, one of the, you know, I was doing some research on gratitude because you said, let's do gratitude. And I'm like, okay, clearly if I'm questioning <laughs> the episode being on gratitude, I need to do some investigating research on, you know, yeah. the importance of gratitude because I do believe in operating from a place of gratitude. But am I feeling in my feelings because it's Christmas and you guys already know that I have this hang up about Christmas. So maybe I'm not operating in a place of gratitude and I should be. So um, I started looking up and Amy Morin wrote this, you know, great article on Forbes magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, um, all of which you probably already knew all these things of what, you know, gratitude, the I benefits. But yeah. I'm going to give you guys like these lists of benefits with Dr. Ali. Um, we're going to go through them. So gratitude and why you need it. So number one, gratitude opens the door to more relationships. There we go. People appreciate appreciation. So if you meet someone and you're more grateful or thankful to that new acquaintance that you just met, it's more likely to blossom into a friendship because people value appreciation. That's it. Like one of the ways that uh, like a number of books about like networking, Mm -hmm. they say to get, sometimes to get that person to call you, you text them or you email them and you say, you know what? I just wanted to meet in person or I wanted to talk to you and tell you thank you for something. I wanted to to thank you for that last thing that you did. Give you my appreciation. Give you my appreciation. People love to be appreciated. They love to be thanked. And so that's one of the ways, yeah, that you can kind of like get someone to have that conversation with you is by first starting with gratitude. So I think that that's a beautiful one. It's also why I tell my clients after I send them out on dates, especially um, the men, because we want this affirmation and we want this gratitude. I tell the men and the women, regardless of if you're trying to have the upper bar or not, make sure that you send a text saying, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking me to dinner or thank you for you know giving me your time so that they do feel valued by the end of the night and don't feel. Um, and it also gives them reassurance that the night went well and there may be another one. It gives you something to look forward to. Uh, number two, uh, Ali's over there um, sneezing. <laughs> God bless you, child. Grateful. I'm grateful for you for saying thank, for saying God bless you. Uh, gratitude improves physical health. Number yes, two. yes. Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains, uh, and they report feeling healthier than any other people. And this was like done in a 2012 study um, published in Personality Individual Differences. So let's also talk about how holding on to resentments and holding on to negative thoughts and the things that you don't have cause stress. Stress is caused by stress hormones oh, that are yeah. released from your body, glucocorticoids, cortisol, um, adrenaline, all of these you know, hormones that help us in the short term but not in the long term. And so gratitude can kind of like wipe those away and it actually can release some great hormones that I'm sure we're gonna talk about a little bit later on but we can talk about that now if we want to. Dopamine and serotonin. When, you're, when you experience gratitude and when you sit and you meditate on something that you're grateful for and that you're happy for, you write down something you're happy for, you release serotonin. You release dopamine. Those are very Ooh, all the good, hormones. All the good hormones. All the good ones. <laughs> you release, as far as I know, you don't release oxytocin, but who knows? But <laughs> don't I get a snuggle and cuddle for that? I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, you just be grateful and then you cuddle and you've released all the funnest hormones. Um, I was going to say Dr. Alexander Lloyd um, wrote... Uh, a great book that I've mentioned before on the show, The Healing Codes. And to your point earlier that you said about gratitude affecting healing, you know, and 
um, how stress increases, yeah. you know, um, our um, um, pain and, you know, aches. Absolutely. If you operate from a place of gratitude, it actually lowers. But this is a great, if you guys want to know um, some secrets in there about how to heal, the healing code um, is a great one by She's Dr. Dropping, Alexander Lloyd. She's dropping knowledge. I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to help you guys out because like there's, you got a lot of free time on your hand with the holidays. Some of you guys are staying home from work. Be grateful for that. Yeah. We're just trying <laughs> to have a positive episode today too. It's like, <laughs> let's, let's help transform your life. Let's create something great. Yes. Read some great books. I need to read that because I haven't read that. Oh yeah. I keep telling I've you. Never read I'm it. like, please read it. Um, gratitude improves psychological health this is number four see see it reduces a multitude of toxic emotions ranging from envy and resentment oh wait did you say this say it again it re um reduces yeah. a multitude of toxic emotions envy and resentment yep. i think you said that it gets rid of resentment it gets rid of all that stuff and we talk a lot about heb's law which is what fires together wires together the more you think something the more you do something the easier it is to do in the future so if you begin to think from a mind, from a, a, a gratitude perspective, it becomes easier and easier and easier for you to think that way. Because if we really think about it, there are more things in this world that we will not have than things we will have. Absolutely. Right? There's a billion things that I will never, ever have. Right? And if you're always thinking about the things that you won't have, you're going to become very good at thinking about that. It's going to become something that is second nature yep. to think about, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. And I wish I had this and I wish I had that. And it's different to think about goals and to have goals in mind and then to systematically go about accomplishing your goals as opposed to like focusing on the lack, what's lacking from your life. So focusing on the things that you have really begins to place in perspective the things that matter. Because I look at myself as being a reasonably happy person. And yeah, mm -hmm. I don't have, there's a lot of things I don't have, but there's a lot of things that I do have. You know, I have a happy marriage and I've worked to make my marriage happy because yeah. it's not necessarily something that it's not just guaranteed to yeah, be happy. It wasn't guaranteed, you know, but I do have, you know, blessings also to thank for that, that I had two parents that managed to help me be somewhat mentally healthy. You know, they, <laughs> <laughs> they put me in a position to where I wasn't too, you know, too damaged for my relationship. And then the things that I needed to work on, I worked on before my marriage. You know, the areas that I was kind of, you know, had my issues. I, I, I'm thankful that I came in contact with great therapists. I came in great contact with, you know, people who could tell me exactly how I feel. Like I was thinking earlier, you know, there's a friend I haven't talked to in a while and I miss her and I was a little sad. Like, well, why haven't I talked to her? And I was like, you know what? No point in kind of getting sad or wanting to have something. I'm grateful for the fact that she was in my life. Yeah. And that when we do talk again, she'll be right back to the way it was before because without her, I also wouldn't be where I am today. She's had some very real conversations with me. But be grateful for the cell phone that you have that you can just like hit dial on that $800 phone and call her <laughs> and you can you could have that conversation with exactly. her and tell her yourself be grateful for that Any be point. grateful to have hands to dial uh, be, be grateful that she has a cell phone and she's able to answer right there's a million things within that situation yes you're grateful that you met her but I'm just saying like there's immediate things that you can physically see right in the second that you can be grateful for that you're capable of that not everybody's capable of as well that's it uh, the other one is um, gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. This is something that I feel like we mm. oftentimes suffer from a lack of empathy. Um, I'm guilty of because I, it was always reiterated in my household that we're strong, we're strong, we're strong. And so because I witnessed, you, you know, a woman who overcame a lot to me, I'm like, my immediate go-to is like, okay, this pain is temporary. This, you know, weakness, this um, ache, this whatever this is, is temporary. And I also believed that you could like pray anything away. So when I see people who are allowing themselves to like operate in a place of suffering, 
what I'm doing is also showing a lack of empathy, which is also something that's inappropriate. And so I've had to work on my ability to, you know, empathize because I may not be going through that, you know, in that moment, or if I have experienced, you know, I overcame. And if we can operate from a place of empathy, um, which is different from sympathy, um, we can be more of a resource for that person. We can, you know, express, um, you know, what our experiences was, even be a testimony and be able to maybe even uplift and encourage and help that person as opposed to, well, I don't know why they can't get through it. You know, I got through it or, you know, I know such and such got through it. Like they're allowing themselves, you know, to stay here. That's not always true. Sometimes they need that encouragement or sometimes there's something that you can do to uplift that person. Um, but if we operate from a place of gratitude, it's easier to experience that. No, I totally embrace that because I think it is hard when you're when, when also when you're a person that has a lot of what they call grit, when you have this kind of internal ability Great to word, cope grit. in a very different way. Yeah, a lot of, some people just have, and actually they found that coping ability and grit is something you're a lot of people are born with. Oh, did not know that. Yeah, it's like very genetically linked. And so some people just have less grit. How is it genetically linked? So there's a gene for grit. There is a gene for grit. Oh, I, oh, I got that gene. Yeah. I know I got that gene. There, I, I did too. <laughs> I have the grit gene. Like I, I was telling our fabulous producer earlier that I was like, really stressed out this week a lot there's just you know when you just have a week where just everything is coming at you yeah from, like just from the every worst. single angle <laughs> and and then i had to make one last decision right my husband couldn't figure out what hotel he wanted us to stay at when we were going to san diego uh -huh. and i literally was like i can't make this decision i'm going to what? lose it it was just that one last <laughs> first decision. world problems i right? don't know it was and you have to be grateful for your first world problem sometimes right <laughs> and that's what ended up happening i was like i wanted to be angry but then i really was like okay be in control i went to the bedroom and i wanted to throw myself on the bed like in a very dramatic sense so i could be like super upset but i was like calm yourself down i put my head down for 30 seconds i took like four deep breaths and then i came back and i chose the freaking hotel because i was like it doesn't matter that i'm dealing with all of these other larger mm -hmm. things I have to take each thing for what it is in this present moment. And this one decision is not the life or death one that I'm thinking about on the other side of my brain. Yeah. This is not this one. So, you know, the, the grit, having this ability to be able to calm yourself so, so that you can deal with things that are present so that you can deal with that other thing later. It's like compartmentalizing, you know? <laughs> yes. And so I think that when you have sometimes that, that grit, you feel like everyone else does. And it's like, well, why aren't you together? Like, and so sometimes it let, you lack that empathy. Empathy, yeah. And you have to you have to begin to realize that there's areas that that person's probably strong that I'm not. Yeah. I probably don't have grit when it comes to certain things. And I need to really understand that I would like for them to have empathy to me yep. when I'm in a right. place where I need it. <laughs> where you can't decide where you're going to stay. It's yeah. the end of the world. I probably didn't get a lot of empathy from people when I was talking about being so upset about finding a hotel. Yeah, no, nobody was empathizing with that. Nobody now you sound like me and my four pounds I can't get off. Like, four pounds. Like oh, my God, I know. Oh, your skinny friend that's always like, but I'm so fat. It's like, I don't empathize with you. Sorry. No. <laughs> holler, holler at me when you got real problems. Yeah. We try, right? Because empathy is a very important emotion to have and that's why i think you know gratitude is so important because it does help you tap into empathy and we have empathy because we have to live in societies because as humans we suck at living alone this is true we, we all want we that we want companionship we want relationship mm -hmm. and people who have healthy relationships are happier in life so we do need to have that empathy guys um and, and sorry i do have to make this point yesterday i went back on the scale <laughs> okay 
the four pounds from I'm there. empathizing with you right now. Please empathize with me. I'm very sorry. And I tell my husband, I'm like, I'm not cut out for this world. I'm not cut out for this <laughs> life. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, you would have thought that, like, I lost a family member the way that I was acting. But you guys, I've, yeah. I've expressed to you before, I suffer from polycystic ovary mm -hmm. syndrome. And so because of that, it is harder for me to lose weight than the average person. So if you don't know that situation and you hear me complaining about my weight issue, you may not be empathetic, but because I've shared with him the struggle and why it's such a battle for me, he's able to be more empathetic to me and understanding that, okay, obesity does run in her family. Like she, this is going to be a bigger challenge. And so when the, a normal person would just laugh at me, he's able to be like, no, babe, you look amazing. Like you can do this. We'll go to the gym tomorrow. I'm going to train you. That's a really small example of just the fact that I had to be um, vulnerable with him, talk to him about my family history too, as well. And what I struggle with. With, um, dang, our child. I just thought about that. I'm making fun of his glasses. Our child might have a hard time losing weight. But no, because he's really genetically fit. Um, so hopefully yeah. they'll get that. <laughs> oh, no. But your baby will be guys. fine. But they'll my be point fine. is the vulnerability that I was yeah. able to share. Yeah. And he was able to empathize because I was vulnerable and shared. And, it's, and sometimes if we just keep it surface level and we don't tell the person our weakness, they can't be empathetic to whatever little spill or dumb thing that, you know, the outside world may think it is that we're going through. Oh, my God. I never thought that is so real is that the other side of empathy is vulnerability. If yep. you're not open and vulnerable with your partner, they, it's harder for them to empathize. Poetic. I mean, spicy. <laughs> like, I, hate I just need everyone I listening. I love that Ali's being empathetic to me right now. <laughs> no, I, I'm like really like my, I love that because I think that that's exactly what it is because if you don't tell somebody what's going on with you and you're hiding pieces of yourself, it's very hard to, to empathize with someone that you don't understand. Yep. You know, and I think, because I think that that's, part of the problem with the world in general right now is we have people, you know, celebrities and people in general going through things in a public forum and format, but maybe you're just seeing them with all these beautiful pictures of their family. And then they have that one, please pray for me post. Right. And you're like, what the, what and you're the like, what? Is this? But you're amazing. But you're fine. Like, yeah, what? I don't understand. You know? And so then you get negative comments, but a part of it is maybe the vulnerability wasn't there because we don't relate. Humans don't necessarily relate that way. Yeah. Digitally, we relate personally. And so having that vulnerability, being open, telling your partner, this is something I'm dealing with. So when you're crying about four pounds, he's not like, ah, eh, it's not a big deal. But mind you, I'm trying to lose 15. I lost four and the four came back. So now I'm still trying to lose 15. Yeah. So <laughs> it's more than just four. It's just four is like a, yeah. the number that's the hardest for me to get rid of. So I know it sounds crazy, y'all, but it's real. It's, it's, the struggle is real. <laughs> yeah, and polycystic is real. Like there's it a lot. It is real. It's way harder for me than the normal person. So I, gotta, I just got to grind harder. I got to go harder. But it's why also too, this other thing, gratitude, um, or people who operate from a place of gratitude, sleep better. Mm, when you clearly. operate from a place, and sleep is important for, you know, um, your health, your mental well-being, um, you know, people who are operating from a place of gratitude, there's studies that have been published in psychology, uh, health and well-being, that if you just spend, you know, 15 minutes, you know, jotting down a few grateful sentiments before you go to bed, you actually will sleep better and longer in your sleep. Clearly. Yeah, yeah, and we have some people who are asleep on the couch right now. Clearly. We know they're grateful, sleep, grateful. because my little grateful. cousin's right now on the couch. All day long, grateful. Knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sleep better because you know what, too? When we're stressed out and we're not operating from a place of gratitude, we're only focusing on the negative, we're tossing and turning. Yeah. We're, we're not able to rest our head yeah. in peace. When you're thinking about all the things you don't have, yeah. the things that you wish you had, and there's something so beautiful about, yeah, sitting in that gratitude, sitting in that moment. Gratitude improves self-esteem. This is number six, guys. Okay, this is what a lot of people deal with. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I think most of the conversations I have with people are about self-esteem. Yeah, originally, 
Right, and I think people don't realize that's where a lot of their issues come from. They're choosing the wrong guy over and over again. I mean, we see that in our industry working with people and yep. couples. You're choosing the same, or you're choosing the same partner over and over and over again. And it's like, why do I keep choosing this guy? Why do I keep choosing this girl? And it comes back to, well, how do you feel about yourself? How do you value yourself? Who are you as a person? Like, what what do you believe in? You know, Do you think you're worthy of a different type of relationship? Does it scare you? Why does it scare you? And And so I think this is a huge one. And that having that gratitude for all the things, even the struggles that you've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's some Buddhist monks that every morning they get up and they they pray these gratitude prayers and they're grateful for their struggle, for the suffering that they've experienced mm. because they've learned something from every moment of suffering. And they're so they're grateful for those moments because had it not been for those moments, they wouldn't be who they are. Exactly. So, yeah, the, the, the gratitude definitely, you know, self-esteem is, self, self-esteem can, can, can break you. It can. Um, and so, which is why, you know, we're going to give you some tips in a second on Mm -hmm. even, you know, how to improve this. Um, but the last but not least is gratitude increases mental strength. So there's actual research that's been done, not only on how, you know, it reduces strength, but also a major role in overcoming trauma, Mm. being, you know, grateful, like you just said, for, you know, the, not necessarily like the, the, the pain and experience, but what you learned from it. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the common features of trauma is a symptom called rumination, which is the idea of thinking about what happened to you over replaying and over it, and right? Over. Yeah, replaying it in your head like an old tape, and so you stay kind of mired in the past. And one thing about gratitude is gratitude is very present. You are grateful now. You're not grateful in the past. You might be grateful for something that happened in right. the past, but you are actively currently grateful. You might be grateful for an opportunity that you're about to have, but you are actively grateful. And so gratitude keeps you present. It keeps you mindful. And so it's actually a very good tool for people who have experienced trauma because a lot of times you also can get into like, and I do not blame victims, I do not believe in blaming victims, but something that happens when you're victimized is you experience, you, you sit in the victimization. Mm-hmm. It's a symptom of being victimized. It's a symptom of being tra- traumatized. And that doesn't mean that what happened to you wasn't horrible, you know, but we, we have this uh, step in a lot of trauma work where we do what's called radical acceptance, where you accept that what happened happened. Thinking about it, focusing on it doesn't change it. You can't replay it and make it happen differently. And sometimes even replaying it in your mind doesn't necessarily always even make you relate to it differently now. But sometimes accepting what happened sucked. It was horrible, whatever language you want to add to it. And then finding a way to have it make meaning and be meaningful Mm -hmm. for you now. So what can I do? How can that add to my life? Do I now become an advocate for people who have gone through this? Do I write a book? Do I write a blog? Do I meditate about it? Do I, you know, help teach people in my life and educate them? Right. How do you, what do you do with with this? Yeah. What what does it become? You know, and it doesn't have to become any of those things. It can become anything for you. It can become art. It can become, I mean, it can become nothing. Who knows? But it's like you have an opportunity now to utilize that information, to turn it into something that makes you a stronger individual on the other side. I don't speak on so much anymore the like loss of my father and the effect that it had on me in my adolescence um but there was a time that i would tell the story to people on you know how i found out that he passed away um because i read it in a note in my mom's you know dresser drawer like Mm. she didn't even you know tell me and i had resentment for a long time about this so i would replay and replay and replay how i found out you know my father died um and i would cry yeah. and relive that experience every single time I would tell this story about him and got to a point where I, you know, I came to um, forgiving, healing, acceptance. Mm-hmm. And now when I 
think about, okay, what am I going to do with this experience? You know, what did I learn from it? I'm volunteering now. Next year, there's this, you know, every summer there's this camp that um, I found out about where um, children who have lost a parent, it's only kids who have lost a parent. You've, uh, a parent has passed away. They have to now deal with, you know, the heartache and, you know, recovering from that loss. And um, they look for the other camp counselors who have lost a parent as well to volunteer there. So guess what? I'm going to volunteer there because I've experienced this. And I wish I would have had this experience as a child going to this camp, you know, that, you know, it's free for all the children. Um, you know, we, we donate to it and I'm going to apply to be a camp counselor there. I haven't got accepted yet. I'm waiting back to here. Um, <laughs> but, Except but just the point, just the point that yeah. like, I am looking, okay, how can I make this thing that was like a shadow in my life forever, something positive. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it was, it was a traumatic experience that I went through, you know, in my life, but it's okay. What did I learn from it? And what can I change about it now? And how can I help other people from that experience? And when I see, you know, clients come in that are telling me, you know, they're ready for love or that they're over this past person, or, you know, they had this experience as a child that was traumatic. I see them reliving the experience every single time they tell it, it. which lets me know you're it. Every time you tell it, it breaks you down. You're not healed from it yet. That's it. And so we have to focus, focus first on you healing from it before we can help you find somebody else or move in, you know, move past this to get into a relationship. Like what can we do now? So one of the things that we do, and these are the spicy tips is, you know, you, you do something as simple as, you know, writing a gratitude list or, you know, writing a letter to that ex or to yeah. that person, you know, who hurt you and letting them know what you are grateful for. You don't send the letter, but you know, have it written, you have it written, yeah. right. You know, write it down and tell them, you know, I'm grateful for this that you brought to my life, or I'm grateful that I learned this. Even if it's, you know, your divorced husband or whatever that may be, I'm grateful for the kids you gave me. Whatever, That's you it. know, that may be, That's operate it. from a place of gratitude because it helps with the healing. And I also think it's important to write it down. Um, a lot of times they'll say, well, you can use an app, you can use this, you can use your phone. I say, I, I like handwritten things because at least for people in my age range, us millennials that are closer to barely being millennials and being millennials. <laughs> we're at the, like the tip, um, the, the, we're the early we're the, millennials. Yeah. 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 We're, the, we're like the oldest millennials. The oldest right? millennial. Yeah. And so when it comes to us, we learned our emotions exist in our handwriting. We don't have the same emotions when we're typing something. We don't have the same, we don't remember things the same way. We process it better too though, don't we? Yes. We remember it better as well when we're writing yes. it versus typing it. Absolutely. All humans do. And I'm not sure. I haven't read studies about like the children now because mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much writing <laughs> the next they're generation. Doing. <laughs> they know. just swipe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much writing they do. So it might be a little different for them. But for us, writing is very important. And so writing your gratitude list, writing down these letters, you know, if you have someone that you've lost or someone that you're angry with or someone that's done something horrible to you, writing this out and yes this could be something that you sacrifice to the moon or right. whatever I you think, want to um, do astro fashionista <laughs> had told us like she has them bury it bury the letter mm. where i believe in burning the Burn, letter i believe in burning today. it because yeah. i don't my mom like always told me not to have up. evidence <laughs> my mom was always like you don't leave that on a voicemail <laughs> right <laughs> you don't text somebody that you don't allow evidence to exist do not record that yeah have a person meeting yes. <laughs> So yeah, so some of these letters, yes, you might put them in a nice safe place to burn them in a safe way. California does not need one more fire. No. So please be responsible. But yeah, like, you know, something like that, you know, writing it out, getting those emotions out, getting them written down so you can read them, you can internalize them is so, so important. And then too, um, I had mentioned to you earlier, Napoleon Hill, um, Think and Grow Rich, he believes in uh, writing a letter, you know, to your the universe or to your future self, you know, also, and I believe this as well, you know, thanking for the financial prosperity. Oftentimes, you know, we, um, 
go to the church and we, you know, we pray, 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 pray Mm -hmm. for, you know, financial prosperity and for, you know, our bank account to change. Mm. Write out a list of where you would like to see or what you would like to have this financial prosperity um, and thank the universe for it in advance. You know, thank you for increasing my account in exchange for you increasing this account universe. I will (laughs) do X, Y, and Z in exchange for that. So it's supposed to be what you will, what you will do in exchange. And what you will do is the service that you will provide in exchange for the universe granting you because the universe isn't just going to grant you, you know, for whatever it is you're thanking them for. It's not just the the gratitude that the universe wants. The universe wants the action behind it. Yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting when I was uh, training at Cedar sinai I trained under this wonderful lady, Dr. Janice Vilhauer, and she developed a type of therapy called future directed therapy. And I was like one of the mm. first therapists in the country that ever Future. learned it. Yeah. Ooh. And it was, it's the neuroscience behind the secret, basically. It's why things like that work. Yeah. And a large portion of it is once you begin to visualize something. So now you visualize this future because you've written it down in really good detail. So one of the things we would have people go through was like literally smart goals, like being as specific as possible, specific, measurable, attainable, re- you know, um, reasonable and time limited. So you have these lists, these, these goals written out super detailed. Maybe you have images, pictures of them. And then the reason you get them isn't always necessarily because the universe just hands them to you, right. but it's because now you have it in your head and your brain, the whole goal of your brain is to problem solve. Yep. But you have to present your brain with a problem that makes sense. So if I tell my brain, I don't want to be here, 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 I don't want to be here. That doesn't mean that I'm going to end up in the career of my life, of my future, or the career that I really want. Yeah. It just means I don't want to be here. So I'm not being specific enough. I'm not telling my brain, you know, I want to, yeah, I want to go to the Vons on the corner of such and such (laughs) and such and such. And that's where I want to be right now. Right. Because then my brain can begin to say, okay, so now you need to find your keys. Where are your keys? Get your keys. Where's your car? Go to your car, get in the car, put in your GPS and start to get there. So you can start to solve your own problems. So once you begin to become specific about the things that you want, now your brain is helping you find those things. Yep. It's like, okay, you want $20 million next year? All right, what is a talent that you have that can be monetized can into $20 million? turn into $20, right? exactly. And you start to begin to create this. And, the uni- and it seems like sometimes the universe starts to bring you this stuff, but it's because your brain is so naturally good at solving your problems that it will literally do it in your sleep. It will hand you dreams. You will start getting dreams about things because all of this stuff already exists in us. All the information that we've ever seen, taken in, experienced exists inside of our brains. We just don't really have access to mm-hmm. it because we can only pay attention to but so many things. There's right. a million things happening in the room around me, but I can only attend to what I can attend to. And But that doesn't mean the other information is lost. It means I just wasn't paying that much attention to it. You know, and so that's what, you know, sometimes during dreams, all this stuff will come out. Like I had a dream about this one organization that I definitely should have started like 15 years ago. <laughs> And what happened? Is the organization existing right now? No, it doesn't. And I actually was looking it up and nobody's taken the name yet. Oh. It's still, literally, I had this dream 10 years ago and I can't stop thinking about it. And then I also had a dream about a book that I'm supposed to be writing that I haven't written Ooh, yet. Oh, I dreamt that too. And then I did dream about my husband. Oh. I actually did. I, I was dating a guy that didn't look like my husband at all. And I had a dream about a man that looked exactly like my husband, but I didn't see his face. And we were getting married. And we were at the altar getting married, but I kind of tried to switch it to make it the guy that I was dating, mm-hmm. but it, I, it wasn't him at all. See, and you had to break up with him in order to find you your husband. Saying? So there was actions behind what you so, had to do to get to what you knew you were capable of achieving. Exactly. So it's like the universe didn't necessarily give that to me, but it was a piece of my own subconscious and things that I had been putting together and plans that I had been making. And so inherently we do have so much power, but yes, we do need to like do certain things to allow ourselves the space 
to allow the universe, God, whatever we want to call it, to work in our lives so that we can begin to get the things that we really want. So I also believe in uh, accountability groups. So um, build your tribe similar to um, (laughs) to, you know, you having, you know, a team of, you know, friends that hold you accountable. Um, A few of my girlfriends were telling me that you know, we need to operate from a place of gratitude. They were reminding me as well. Every morning now we're on a group text where we're telling the universe or telling each other what we're grateful for. Like it. The reason why we're putting it on a group text is because if one of us forgets, we remind the other person, Mm-mm, you got to tell me what you're grateful for. Like you don't get to go, you know, through this day without operating from a place of gratitude. And it can be annoying because I'm like, ah, I got to go. I'm already running late as always. But, <laughs> but it's they're holding me accountable like i need to i need to manifest i need i need to let i need to declare what i'm grateful for because if not if i'm too busy to say what i'm thankful for i go my entire you know day not thinking about it but if i start off my day you know thinking about what i'm grateful for you automatically start off on a positive note at least i'm putting out there in the universe this positive energy as opposed to me being upset because I'm running by Han or because I'm in traffic, you know, or because, you know, my doctor had me on hold for my appointment for two hours, you know, trying to schedule. Like there's so many things that come up, but if we operate from a place of gratitude and we, you know, have our group texts, there's people who can, you know, remind you when you so easily want to forget and put it on the back burner. There you go. And then too, it, it helps you with your friends. Also, it builds a connection yeah. because then you know what's going on in their day. Um, uh, Dorian's one of the people who was on my group text and she's the one who has the product that was just on here, the Glow Elixir. Mm-hmm. And she's on the group text and she sends me, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to present um, in front of Target, you know, this product. Mm. Well, guess I didn't even know that. And no, she didn't post that on Instagram. So how would I know? Yeah. And so because she put that on the group text, it one gave me something to pray for her for. Yeah. Two, it let me know what was going on in her day. And three, now I know, you know, that she's grateful for that. And I can be grateful for that too. Yeah. And the more prayers that go out there in the universe, you know, the more likely it is to be manifested because you have all of us thinking from and operating from one place of thinking. Yeah. It's more, you know, more thoughts in the universe rooting for you. Yeah. And I could go on a long diatribe about the power of, of positive thoughts and how amazing they are, but just know they're amazing. We don't have time <laughs> for me to talk about it. <laughs> okay, also too, um, it helps with your relationships with your coworkers. Leave, um, here's another spicy tip. Leave post-it notes for um, your coworkers expressing appreciation. It helps oh, with your relationships that. at work. Some Even for the people who you are not crazy about that annoys you, that doesn't pull their own weight, or that, um, you know, constantly is acting like, you know, they're too busy to help. Whomever that person may be, leave them a post-it note giving, you know, your appreciation for at least one kind or nice thing yeah. or just something positive because it, it can help mend and build that relationship back, even if it's somebody that you, you know, aren't very fond of. Yeah. Everybody wants to feel appreciated and operating from a place of gratitude for them will help. Uh, and to Ali's point earlier, you know, a gratitude journal that you you know, write in daily is always a great thing as well. And also last but not least, um, make sure that you um, appreciate your partner sexually. Yep. Sex appreciation. <laughs> the more that you let them know that you are thankful for their hot body and that you love making love to them, the more likely you are about to get it. Spicy tip right there. Yes. <laughs> um, but we're being told that we need to wrap, right? Stephen, how many minutes do I have? One minute? Okay. Look it. There you guys have it. Um, you guys um, can play with my Twitter or stroke my Instagram at SpicyMati. You can always go to thespicylife.com. Also, it's the holidays. Make sure that you order yourself a bottle of Spicy Mama hot sauce. And Dr. Ali, where can they find you? You can find me at allisonhicks.com. A-L-L-Y-C-I-N-H-I-C-K-S. All right. And there you guys have it. You have just been spiced. The Spicy Life.